Welcome to another edition of The Edge, the official podcast of Bass Edge, brought to you by the good folks at Ditchwitch. I'm Steve Brigman, and I'm joined today, as always, by Bass Edge television host Aaron Martin. Bass Edge can be seen three times weekly on the Outdoor Channel starting January 1st, and it's also on the World Fishing Network and Wild TV in Canada. We're going to do something a little different today, aren't we, Aaron? Yeah, it's you know kind of exciting. This is hard to believe, but we have officially arrived at the last edition of The Edge for 2008, that is, and uh, you know I, I look forward to this discussion. Well, we've got a lot to talk about, and it's all going to be right here on The Edge. You're listening to The Edge, the official audio program of Bass Edge. Brought to you in part by Ditch Witches On. Experience the revolution. Oh, look here. I got one. I got one. Look here. <laughs> I mean, he whacked that football jig. The blades will dictate a lot of times the speed of the retrieve or the depth of that bait. Oh, good fish. Good fish. Did you see him come off that log? Woo, look at that stuff going, man. That's awesome. You know, you've got to just stay active. Fishing is not easy. Oh, man, that's a toad. This is unbelievable. Well, Aaron, another year. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I felt like it wasn't too long ago when we were just uh, basically out filming and catching bass and in the warm season. Of course, that has all changed now here right on the eaves of the holidays. You know, it's funny. Sometimes you, you, you look back at some of those things we did way back in the spring, and some of them just seemed like forever ago. And then, boy, but you can still remember them in a way, kind of like they're yesterday. It all fades together, but it just all stays with you. We've just done so much this year. Well, we have. And, you know, one of the things that I'm excited about, even though this is the last episode for 2008, couple things, actually. One is the fact I always like this episode because we're able to go back and, and kind of reflect on all the great guests, the numerous topics that we've talked about, but also, you know, getting ready to launch uh, the new season. The, the listeners and the viewers and the readers are, are going to get to really kind of step into the boat now and gain on some of that experience that, that we've been talking about all year long for this new season three that's going to premiere on Outdoor Channel. It's a real time, you know, you're looking back, you're looking ahead, and you and I have got to uh, see a couple of the shows in their completed form, and my goodness, it's exciting. We had a great year. We caught a lot of fish this year, you know, it, just, it, went, it went well. Well, we did, and, and you know, the techniques, that's one of the things, you know, of course, you, you would think there would be some duplication now with us being, you know, this is kind of in our 39th recording that we've done for the television show, but uh, one of the things that I find is that every time we hit the water, there's always kind of a new twist that comes about, you know, this year we got in on a lot of the sight fish. We got in on some of the frog fishing and and a lot of different guests, and it's really given kind of Bass Edge a, a new look. And you know, speaking kind of of those new looks, we're gearing up to where there's there's going to be some enhancements that's really across all the properties of Bass Edge, meaning the podcast, the website, the television show. So pretty exciting times. Well, the whole properties are getting a facelift, and uh, you know we've gotten a peek at it, and it just looks great. So excited! And then uh, we're going to have a little discussion about our year, and then I think you're going to come in. You got a long distance call here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, we get to go live all the way out to Iraq. You know, we've had Major Cody Robertson on here. Uh, I guess this is the third time. You know, we were fortunate to be able to do the the live from Fourth of July broadcast, and we did one back uh, in third quarter. And now this is kind of our fourth quarter follow up. But just man, what an interview and what an organization, and to be able to to kind of chat with our servicemen and women, know what's going on over there, but also just the great things that uh, that they've got going on and how they're tying in really their passion. Uh, to be of service to our servicemen and women. I mean, it's just, 
What, what a great concept. I know, and I know you like always like an opportunity just to tell the folks over there how much we all appreciate what they're doing. Well, I do, and, you know, I think we kind of take that for granted, the fact that here we are approaching Christmas, and, you know, we're, we're around our families, and, and obviously just modern living as we know it, and, and here we've got, you know, hundreds of thousands of people all over the world that's, that's away from their families and, and being of service to this country and kind of the freedoms and that that we represent. So very thankful for that, and, you know, I know... Uh, Army bass anglers in particular, they're very excited at the, the fact that they kind of sent their congratulations concerning our kickoff that starts January 1st there on the Outdoor Channel, you know, that's coming up. And, of course, then there every uh, Saturday thereafter at, at 2.30. So uh, I know they're going to be tuned in as much as what they can. We sent over some DVDs to keep them kind of in the loop and with the podcast and everything else. Well, this bass edge deal is getting a little international. <laughs> we were talking <laughs> yeah. to Thailand last week. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, but it's going to be a great episode. Well, I tell you what, let's get to that. Let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back on The Edge. Give any type of boat the edge with MegaWare Keel Guard. It's simple to install, and we can now beach our boat anywhere. If you own a boat, you need one of these. MegaWare Keel Guard protects the keel of your boat from sand abrasion, from underwater obstructions, even concrete boat ramps. Kit started under $140, and best yet, it's guaranteed to keep on protecting for life. Thanks, MegaWare Keel Guard. Thanks, MegaWare Keel Guard. Welcome back to The Edge, brought to you in part by Ditch Witches Zon, establishing a new standard in trencher power and versatility. All right, we are back on The Edge, and for this week's Angler Spotlight, really kind of a special edition that we do every year here on The Edge, and kind of becoming almost a little bit of a tradition if there is such a thing in three years. But Steve, I'm looking forward to it, because we're going to jump into kind of all the guests, all the topics that we've done for the calendar year of 2008. And I've got to tell you, when you know when we kind of first threw this out, talked about it a little bit last week, I don't know about you, but I had a real difficult time trying to narrow down my list to make it manageable within a 15 to 17 minute period. You found out real quick just how much happens in a year. Right. My goodness, all the, you know, just all the podcast interviews and then, of course, the, the show and, the, and everything. And all of these interviews were great and fun and, and all had good information, but it was hard to narrow it down. Yeah, and, and just the, you know, the level of, of, of guests that we had and, and the topics that it seemed like every interview kind of developed and rightfully so, had its own personality, because obviously each angler does, but even the techniques, when we talked, when there was some duplication, maybe talking about jigs or certain, uh, you know, mental toughness and things like that, that even though some of those those topics did overlap, each angler had something different to say about them. Well, they did, and, you know, that's just a good general lesson. I mean, a lot of these guys who all have very equal success do it in, in a lot of different ways, and, you know, bass fishing's a mini-splendored thing, and, you know, there's... Uh, a lot of approaches to it. It's just fascinating to go back through and look at all this. Uh, kind of like going back to school. <laughs> yeah, it is. And, and, you know, I think it speaks volumes for what we try and really preach so much here on the edge is the fact that, you know, talking about diversity, developing a skill level, being, you know, knowledgeable across the board, that there is no one specific way to catch a bass, but rather that, you know, by taking all this information and kind of developing that into your own skill set, that's ultimately going to help you make decisions out on the water. And kind of just jumping right off into this, you know, you and I really, we have not compared our list. So it's going to be interesting to see what your list is and what my list is. So I don't know if you want to go first or you want me Yeah, well, let me throw a name out there, and, uh, you know, when I looked at this, it's hard not to kind of take this personal, sentimental, and all that, and, uh, 
you know, at the top of my list is my old buddy Rick Loomis from over there at Lake Fork. We yeah. visited with him last year down at the PAA event in the spring, and the weather was changing rapidly, and Rick had some great things to say about that. Well, and, and he's, you know, that that's how he makes his living. He's a guide, obviously, like uh, a lot of the guests, you know, that we have on here. He spends numerous days on the water, but I, I remember, not to predate us too much, but, you know, his interview back in 2007 was on Fishing the Shade of the Moon, and he came back this year very, very strong with another exceptional interview, and that was talking about changing weather conditions. And, you know, that is something that is so applicable for any angler or really any outdoorsman, you know, whether you hunt or fish, because when you get into dealing with barometric pressures, that changing and the effect that that has on wildlife, temperature swings, you know, sun versus shade, light penetration conditions, mm-hmm. man, it goes a long way. Well, yeah, and of course, Rick fishes there on Lake Fork, and the Florida bass strain that he fishes is particularly sensitive to changes in temperature and pressures, and so uh, he makes his living understanding those things and pass that on to viewers, and I just thought that was a great little visit. Yeah, and we've talked many times, even with the pond boss, Bob Lusk, he broke down the difference between Florida strain bass, you know, spotted bass, and then the native largemouth, and it all ties in perfectly. And, uh, you know, not to rush us, but, man, I tell you what, we got to get going because we got a long <laughs> list here, and, and, you know, Rick kind of let us off there. But, you know, one of the picks, and, and this is in no particular order, you know, I'm not ranking these according to who I think was best or, or the topic was best, but to go all the way back to podcast number 44, and that's hard to believe, you know, that 40-some, almost a year ago, but that was with Alton Jones, you know, former Bassmasters Classic champion there. And one of the things that I remember during his podcast and then also the episode that we filmed together was when we were talking about punching grass and just the ability when you flip into some matted vegetation or maybe on the front side, the wall of that vegetation, when you pitch that big jig or that plastic bait in there, instead of allowing that bait to fall and, and pull the line off of your reel, kind of in a free spool situation, was his tip on actually feeding and taking your hand and actually pulling line off of your spool so that that bait falls perfectly vertical instead of kind of, um, you know, cantilevering or pendulum swinging back towards and out of the strike zone. And what a great thing for folks to see and to hear about because, you know, it can be frustrating. If you're just starting to fish in grass, it can be very tough to to make a good presentation. But uh, just in the last several years, uh, things have happened along that line that have really helped fine-tune that, you know, like the use of tungsten weight. Right, and, you know, we saw that, of course, by, you know, you asked numerous pros out there, but specifically, you know, like Denny Brower, I mean, that's what he exclusively throws, And I think, you know, back to Alton's interview uh, is the fact that when you're dealing with pressured fish, you know, when you've got numerous anglers that perhaps might be working that same grass patch or coming through, if you don't get that right in, you know, that strike zone, because that strike zone changes throughout the course of the day based upon weather conditions and just mm-hmm. uh, their tendencies as, a, you know, feeding tendencies and things like that. But, man, that can make all the difference between putting a fish in the boat and not getting it right at all. Well, it sure can. But looking back at other interviews, Aaron, I tell you, and and this one, I just love to hear Mike Iaconelli. (laughs) I mean, what enthusiasm. He just gets me fired up. I've got him on my list just because I just like the energy he has about fishing and all the stories that so many of us can relate to as far as coming up as young people and, and learning to fish and then eventually, in his case, growing into one of the top fishermen in the world. Yeah, and, and you know, that that's one of the things that I remember that interview, and I would agree with you. I mean, his enthusiasm is, is second to none, and, and it really gets me fired up or stoked, I guess, in Mike's terminology, um, <laughs> just to get Iked out of the water. Yeah. Iked up, there you go. And, you yeah. know, to, to think about kind of his story and his history of working up through the Federation ranks 
and, you know, just really getting into the situation of getting out, working hard, realizing that his natural ability compared to somebody like Kevin Van Dam may not be as much, but he feels he can compensate by spending time on the water, really being a student of the sport, but more importantly, developing a system that works for him, which I think all of us as anglers can take from, and then working that plan. Yeah, and of course, you guys talked about momentum that day, Mm -hmm. and he's gone through a tremendous streak, but uh, momentum, it has a lot to do with fishing. Yeah, it does. And, you know, like we've heard Jay McNamara talk about so many times, talking about the mental side of the sport, you know, that confidence and that added outlook of really not thinking about what tomorrow is or or what happened yesterday, but fishing the present moment, that has a lot to be said there. And, you know, speaking along the lines of kind of not thinking about tomorrow, as you well know, I I love the sport of fishing and the actual catching and figuring out the fish, but I also Mm -hmm. like the business side of fishing. And and of course, we're here kind of in an economic situation as anglers, uh, whether they be on a regional level, professional level, it doesn't matter. There still is a business side of the fishing. And going back to podcast number 53, I got a lot out of when Mike Brooks was on and we had him talking about what organizations, particularly in his case, aren't what they're looking for, you know, when it comes to sponsorships and promotions, how to go about that and really kind of setting the stage for up-and-coming anglers. You know, that was such great information, especially for a lot of young men and women out there who aspire to make their living in the fishing industry. And, uh, you know, it's not just fishing. There's a very important business side of that. And uh, and I've talked about this with uh, many other anglers. You know, I asked Kevin Van Dam last year what advice he'd have for any, you know, aspiring young Van Dams in the world. And he said, go to college to get a degree in marketing. Well, and, and no question. And I think when you look at that, and, and through programs and organizations like the Collegiate Bass Anglers Association. We've had Troy Heckman on here, you know, talking about that. I mean, just the thought now that up-and-coming anglers who have an interest, not necessarily maybe professional aspirations, but just have an interest of getting involved in the sport, that they can be in college and, you know, be able to work their way through school, have the ability to get out and do some fishing. The other thing is, that, you know, talking about stewardship and conservation, I just think that that education and that awareness helps us make sure that we're going to be able to pass on this sport for generations to come. Well, Mike's message was fantastic to all the young folks out there that need to understand you want to be a pro fisherman, it's a business, you've got to learn the business side, and there it is from a guy who's going to be one of those guys that you're going to need to learn to talk to out there. No question. Anyway, on my list here, well, you know me, Aaron, I I, I kind of like a little uh, chaos and confusion, (laughs) and I could not leave Aaron Martins off off the list. (laughs) And I know exactly Uh, about why you put that one on your list. <laughs> well, I just thought it was great. You guys were great together, and, and he's just such a good guy and such a good angler. And, uh, you know, beyond the, the fun we had with the names, I just found it fascinating that he didn't want any information from his fellow elite angler. Well, you know, and, uh, and he talked a lot about that during the interview as far as how he and Randy Blockett, you know, Aaron fishes on the BASS elites, Randy fishes on the FLW tour side, so they never basically face one another in a competitive situation. But just the fact of identifying one another, kind of mentoring up, teaming up to share information. You know, they normally talk uh, numerous times throughout the year, but then they also try right before that interview, they had just spent some time on the water down on Logan Martin, basically in the same boat, sharing uh, tips on tackle, going out fishing, talking about what has worked, what hasn't. Man, what a better classroom situation than to spend time together with one of your peers in the same boat. As a matter of fact, I talked to Aaron this morning. He just has so much to say about fishing, and uh, we may be seeing more of him in the future. 
Well, no question. I, you know, I, I just thought his interview was, was fantastic and how his approach to tackle management, also his conditioning, the fact that he rides his mountain bike, you know, to stay in physical shape and how that translates over into his mental right. conditioning of making better decisions while he's on the water. You know, and, and speaking of making decisions, kind of switching gears all the way back to podcast 59 on my list was Pam Bolton. Pam, female angler that fishes out of the back of the boat. She's married to an FLW touring pro, but I thought the the advice and the information that she provided anglers whom probably spend the majority of their time, whether it be recreational or even competitively, out of the back of the boat, there was a lot to be said there. Well, there was, you know. I think that's, you know, on the competitive side, I mean, that's the classroom. That's your school. That You know, that's where you learn to step up to the front of the boat. And, you know, I mean, a, a young angler looking down the road, he should understand that that's a time when he can watch someone who's a very good angler and learn from him and you're not just doing your time until it's time to step up. I mean, that that's part of the process, and there's a lot to learn, and you need to take advantage of that. Well, and you know as well as I do, fishing behind somebody, there's this, in my mind, there's this fallacy out there, and of course, Pam kind of seconded this idea that the fact that there is opportunity from the back of the boat. And what you have to do is, you know, obviously you're limited on the amount of tackle that you can bring and some of those things to where you don't have some of the advantages of the person that's actually in control of the boat of making the decisions when to move, when not to move. But bottom line is if you're paying attention, you have those kind of that, that sensory capability about you to where you're paying attention, where they're making their cast, what bait they're using, change it up a little bit, you're still going to put fish in the back of the boat. Exactly. And, you know, we had a pretty good visit with old Tim Horton from over in Alabama this fall. We talked about one of just the, I just think one of the classic subjects of fishing, and that's developing patterns versus fishing spots. Boy, amen to that one. Well, yeah, you know, and of course the great story that went with that is uh, Champlain, he won the big tournament where he just went way out ahead, and on the television show, they covered that tournament, they, they, they made it look like the magic spot, the magic spot. And, of course, Tim was very quick to say, look, there were four or five spots I'd found that were all just alike, just like that, but I caught all those fish in one place and I didn't have to move to them. But it wasn't a magic spot. He was actually fishing a pattern. Yeah, and, and, and if you can learn that as an angler, you will do so much better over the course of your year and, and just career as, a, as an angler. Um, by learning to what is going on with the fish, what are they relating to, because instead of having to worry about is a boat going to be there when it comes time for me to go to this particular spot, what you're able to do is just identify being going down the lake, saying, ah, they're on points on, on channel swings or, or mm-hmm. on timber or on weeds on certain you know types of structure. Then you're opening yourself up to just really broadening your horizons and, again, increasing your percentages and the opportunity to put more fish in the boat. Well, that's so true. And I, I love Tim's comment. You know, he uses watercolor as sort of that baseline to begin forming that pattern. And, of course, uh, there's, a, you know, seasonal patterns, uh, weather, water clarity, wind, all these things. Right? How bright skies are. All these things come into a pattern, but... Uh, Watercolor is where he started. I, right. I found that interesting. I, I do find that interesting. And speaking of patterns, you know, we've been talking a lot about personalities of the individual anglers themselves. But somebody that really drove this home was when we interviewed Davey Height back in number 73. And his entire interview was on fishing your personality. And the fact that he brought up the comment, you know, we, we talk about covering water and, and the speed and the efficiencies and things like that, but when mm-hmm. you hear him, he and Kevin Van Dam are, are obviously very good friends. He basically tells us, that, you know, he could never fish at the speed of Kevin Van Dam because of the simple fact he's going to be leaving fish, he's going to make mistakes, his decision and thought process is not going to be real conducive for his style of fishing. So I thought just by identifying that each angler has a personality and maybe has 
you know, excels at, at certain skills, but also maybe has some limitations when comparing to other anglers. Man, great stuff. Man, you know, it's good advice uh, throughout our lives. You just be yourself, and that's when you can be your best. Not only, I think, it's, it's not about being, say, that, that I'm necessarily a good, uh, my best thing is flipping jigs, but it, it comes down to comfort, too, and, right. and comfort creates confidence, and that's all part of the formula. It is, it is, you know, and uh, I thought he did a good job on that, and, and I think it goes a long ways. And speaking of which, you know, you're going to have to pick your last one because we're, we're quickly approaching uh, the end of this of our time allotted for this, Steve. <laughs> yeah, we could do this forever, but i tell you what, one of my favorite ones of the whole year was Kim Bainmore. Her stories about her passion and flying into the United States from her native Australia with a backpack and a pile of reels, you know, having that kind of fishing and that kind of effort. And then I really like Kim's interview because I think it's something so very positive about fishing today in that we were talking to a professional woman about fishing, a woman who's going to be fishing in the Bassmaster Classic, and her Australian accent told us, uh, sort of gave us a hint of uh, what an international sport it's become. Yeah, no question. If you can't walk away from that interview feeling motivated and that there are opportunities out there, regardless of who you are, you know, Takahiro Omori has kind of a similar story where he came over from Japan, but I thought... Uh, Kim just really opened my eyes to what is possible in the sport of fishing. And, you know, I'm going to lump my last pick in actually two into the same one, and that is Dion Hibden and Skeet Reese, and that is podcast number 75 and 80. And, you know, Dion, one of the things I'm going to say about him, you know, when we live in a a time and kind of when it's preached down our throats about covering water and the fact that you got to fish fast, I thought his comments that most anglers fish too fast and slowing down and just the fact kind of taking the contrarian uh, attitude right. towards what is kind of the common theme and in vogue, I guess, if you will. I thought that was a great job. And then also Skeet Reese's close on that was the mental toughness. See, he talks about having that mental warfare that's going on in his head when he's out on the water, whether it be a tournament or just in, you know, on the water in general. Ties right into what Jay McNamara, Dr. Fish, has talked about mm-hmm. of, of being able to manage those expectations. But, uh, you know, Steve, wow. unfortunately, we are out of time, man. And, uh, Flew by, but uh, great stuff, and uh, man, what a great year. i tell you what, let's do it again next year. No, let's do it. All right, let's take another <laughs> quick break, and uh, we'll be right back uh, with this week's listener email question. You've got the truck. You've got the toys. Now it's time to get the hitch that gives you more time to play with both. It's the tow and stow receiver hitch by B&W. You want options? Select the ball size, adjust the height to level the trailer, or stow it out of the way in just seconds. It's 10,000 towing pounds worth of durability, convenience, and the latest technology that has made B&W famous. The Tow and Stow Receiver Hitch by B&W. Call 1-866-BEST-HITCH. Welcome back to The Edge, the official podcast of Bass Edge. Well, Aaron, we got another great question this week. We do, and it uh, actually comes out of the Midwest uh, a little bit closer than the question that we had last week from Thailand, but they're all good questions, <laughs> and this is from Charlie in Nineveh, Indiana, and it's going to be answered by FLW Pro Scott Sucks. Well, Charlie wants to know, what do you do when you run out of ideas? Halfway through an eight-hour event with no fish, nine rods in the deck, Charlie says he's tried everything. It's easy to keep picking up a rod and throwing but that round peg just isn't going to fit into that square hole. Boy, I've been there many times, Steve. And, you know, I think this is a good question. And, you know, I'm kind of laughing because I, I think it's just the, the irony of it is probably a situation that any angler out there has faced. Um, but we threw this out to, you know, FLW Pro Scott Suggs. 
And uh, I, I thought his response is very good. He said, you know, I'm usually locked in on a shallow or a deep bite, meaning he kind of has it, you know, tuned into what's going on. Whichever the case, he tries to do an about face and try the opposite. So when things aren't happening, you know, if, if he's locked in on that shallow bite, he, he's going to make a, a change. If I'm locked into a shallow pattern, I'll usually move out into the deeper ditches, deep points, or the outside edge of grass. If it's a deeper bite that I'm locked into, I'll move up shallow and throw something fast moving to try and get uh, that first bite to key me in on a new pattern. I'll typically stay within the same area, but just trying to relocate fish. Best of luck, and that is from Scott Sugg. So I, I thought that was a, a very good response and really can, you know, when you, when you think about it, Steve, and we're out here and we've got all those rods laying on the deck, uh, sometimes you can go through the motions and you're really not uh, producing any different results. I think that's kind of the definition of insanity, isn't it? <laughs> it is. And I tell you, uh, you know, it just speaks to something that we say all the time and we hear all the time from the pros is to just sort of keep that open mind. I mean, don't be afraid to try new things. And, and of course, uh, in Charlie's case, it sounded like it was definitely time to go do something completely different, and I know Scott's won an awful lot of money doing just that. Yeah, he has, and, you know, getting outside of the box, and, uh, I, again, I, I just thought it was a, a very legitimate answer. Well, Aaron, let's take a quick break here, and when we get back, we will listen to your interview with Major Cody Robertson from the Army Bass Anglers with this week's Inside Edge. When I'm fishing in a tournament, time is critical. I need fast, easy access to my lures. My Cook's go-to tackle system keeps my bait organized, tangle-free, and within easy reach. It installs in minutes under any deck lid, maximizing the storage space in my boat. And its durable construction lasts even through the harshest conditions. Get organized with Cook's tackle system by calling 1-888-390-8780 or online at cooksgoto.com. Welcome back to The Edge. All right, we are back on The Edge, and joining us this week for really a special edition, live from Iraq, is Major Cody Robertson of the Army Bass Anglers. Cody, uh, thanks so much for being once again part of The Edge. Hey, thanks, Aaron. Thanks. I appreciate appreciate it. I'm glad to be back. It's always good to be back on Bass Edge. Well, uh, you know, I've been looking forward to this interview. Of course, we have you on about once a quarter, and uh, we have a long list, so I'm going to kind of jump into it. But uh, why don't you give us an update before we get into some of the great things that's going on within Army Bass Anglers as far as how things are going there in Iraq? Hey, things are going good. I'll tell you that uh, recently the Status of Forces Agreement was approved, and, and probably the most exciting thing that happened was uh, President Bush paid us a visit uh, yesterday uh, here in Iraq uh, just to wish us Merry Christmas, and, and I'd like everybody out there to know that the soldiers are doing well. They continue to work hard, and uh, and they're just preparing for Christmas and the holidays like anybody else, and, and they're doing great things. Well, and, and certainly, Cody, I know that, uh, you know, obviously all of our armed forces, uh, men and women alike, several of them don't have the luxury of being home for the holidays and, and just want to pass on from really kind of the Bass Edge universe that uh, we wish everybody a Merry Christmas and, and really sincerely appreciate uh, your efforts and, and your service to really our country. Hey, thanks, Aaron, and thanks to everybody out there. That really means a lot to us, even though we can't 
going to be home with our families. It's always nice to know that everybody's out there uh, thinking about us, cares about us, and praying for us, and, and we truly appreciate that. You know, Cody, and, and taking one step further on to that is, um, why don't you really set the stage as far as reminding us of what Army Bass Anglers, kind of what you guys stand for and, and, and the great things that you're able to accomplish? Sure, no problem. Uh, Army Bass Anglers, uh, kind of in a nutshell, I'll just kind of go over the outline of the mission statement, is support defense fish. And uh, we've got eight pros uh, working on for all three different pillars, the support piece being we volunteer our uh, time to work with three different charity organizations and then the defend piece is literal uh, when we're not doing that uh, we're actually physically deployed uh, defending our country and then the last piece being fish is we use the fishing tournament circuits as an opportunity uh, to basically continue to raise awareness for our support efforts and and that's kind of it in a nutshell. Speaking along the support uh, part of the mission, I mean, obviously you guys have a tremendous amount of things both is going on currently that's coming up in the future as well as that's already passed. I'd like to highlight just a few of those. One, actually two events in particular. One was the execution of the, of the Take a Soldier Fishing that was there at Camp Belton where Zell Rowland came. And the other one was obviously there at Choke Canyon which was the uh, Take a Wounded Soldier Fishing that Byron Velvick showed up for. Can you kind of just talk briefly about what those two things were and, and kind of the importance that they play with our armed services? Oh, sure, no problem. Uh, obviously, the two events, there are two out of the three charity events that uh, we help out with. Uh, Take a Soldier Fishing, which was out on Belton. We had 181 boats. The significance there is, is that we get to take soldiers uh, fishing that haven't uh, had the opportunity to go before. Uh, with you know some of the local anglers and and these are guys that have recently deployed and it's the community's opportunity to basically get behind them say thanks and it's a tournament just for them and, and in this case Zell came out jumped on board with us took a soldier out fishing and he also helped us raise about twelve hundred dollars uh, that all 100% of it was turned over to uh, Returning Heroes Home to help build their Warrior Family Support Center and then Choke Canyon again uh, this is probably just a little bit more special event. Uh, it's geared specifically towards the soldiers that were wounded in the war on terror. Uh, we had 80 boats. Byron Velvet came out and helped us out again there, along with the president from Castaway. Uh, we gave away like $1,900 worth of custom rods. Uh, we ended up winning both events, uh, surprisingly, so our soldiers, not only did they get all the stuff from the sponsors, but they actually won the events, and so, uh, you know, that was just exciting for them. And just to be a part of it, uh, I tell you, it'll really touch your heart. Both great events. Yeah, and, and you know, it was, of course, it was all over the media, and I, I had the opportunity to talk with some of those that uh, were able to participate, and every single one of them said it was just quite the experience to be involved with something like that. And, you know, the other thing that was just here just a few weeks ago, you actually were able to kind of surprise and, and fly in for the grand opening of the, the Warrior and Family Support Center. That had to be pretty exciting. Yeah, you, you talk about exciting. and I had just come back from R&R &R and had been back for just about a month, and uh to get a phone call from the battalion one saying, hey, you need to pack your bags. Uh, Lieutenant General Turner and Major General Oates are sending you home for the for the grand opening. I was just blown away. Uh, that doesn't happen uh, very often, especially during a combat tour, uh, to get a second chance to go home and actually be a part of something that you've worked really hard with in raising awareness, funds, and, and just to see the facility and walk through it for the first time after working on it for I want to say it's been almost two years that we've been working on it, and to see a dream like that come to fruition, awesome. Well, awesome. and I know that's there at, in San Antonio at the Brook Army Medical Center. 
What exactly, you know, can you kind of share with us what that service is that's, that's provided and kind of the importance of that? Well, yeah, the Brook Army Medical Center, for those who don't know that are out there, is the premier burn center uh, in the country for the Army. And a lot of the war on terror soldiers uh, rotate through there or are actually inpatients and uh, in-care in patients there uh, because blast injuries come with a lot of burns and traumatic injuries. And, and right next to it is the Intrepid Center where, you know, soldiers are being handed new prosthesis and going through extensive rehabilitation. And you kind of tie that into the Fisher House where the families stay while their wounded member is under care uh, for extended periods of time. And then you throw in the Warrior Family Support Center, which is like uh, uh, essentially a place for them to spend quality family time together while they're under care, where they're not under the scrutiny of the public's eye. And not that anybody does anything malicious and staring or anything like that. It's just some of these injuries are that significant that you, you may do a double take and, and that has an effect on a soldier especially when they're going through the, the mental rehabilitation process of just transitioning back to normal life and so between the four hard stand buildings if you will all working in conjunction together to rehab these soldiers and get them back to normal. It's a great place, and, and they're doing great things there. Well, Cody, uh, once again, I mean, I can't thank you guys enough, not only there at Army Bass Anglers, for providing you know these types of opportunities for, for our service people, but uh, also, again, please pass on you know our best holiday wishes to everybody there in Iraq, and, and really just regardless of where they're at, I mean, we so appreciate that, and just goes to show you when you get involved, with something uh, like you guys have taking really your passion to the next level, the effects that that can have on other people. You know, I just want to remind everybody also that uh, the Classic is coming up there in February down at the Red River. I know you guys will be participating in that, running some of the, the uh, chase boats and uh, participating there uh, pretty heavily with uh, BASS. Yeah, we're, we're extremely excited about that. A uh, couple of things are going to happen. Obviously, we're going to get to participate in the Classic, and we're actually going to have the opportunity on the national stage uh, in each morning's uh, ceremonial launches with several interviews and stuff like that to share our mission uh, with the entire country out there and just let them know who we are, what we're doing, and, and what we're supporting and the reasons why. And, and I, I just think it's going to be an awesome event. Uh, I know that we're looking forward to working uh, with Bass and ESPN on this project, and it's going to be exciting. We're excited about it. Well, we're excited for you, and, and of course, we're very honored to uh, be able to be a part of helping you spread your mission. Cody, unfortunately, we are out of time, and we do have to get out of here, but can you let our listeners know where they can find out more information concerning Army Bass Anglers? Sure. Anybody can uh, find out all the information that they need at www.armybassanglers.com. And if you're interested in getting involved with Returning Heroes Home or the Warrior and Family Support Center, you can visit www.returningheroeshome.org. All right. Well, there you have it, and there you are. Cody, again, thank you so much, and uh, please wish everybody a Merry Christmas, and we look forward to your safe return. Hey, thanks, Sharon. Thanks for having me again. Merry Christmas to everybody out there. And uh, thanks again. Climb to glory. Well, well that was great. And I just want to uh, send out my thanks to Cody and, and all the folks over there for, for their service and, and want to congratulate him on the opening of the Warrior and Family Support Center there in San Antonio. Yeah, ha you know, happy holidays to really everyone that's out there. Man, what a year. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's just been a lot of fun. And, and the, the other thing is, I'm looking so forward to the up-and-coming 2009 season. 
you know, that's right. We're going to have uh, great shows and some great podcasts. And by the way, folks, don't uh, forget to rate us on iTunes. We're trying to uh, slip ahead of those fly fishing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's a lot more Bass Edge that you can find, video tips, articles on the website. Uh, you need to sign up for our e-newsletter if you haven't done that. And be sure to sign up for those uh, product giveaways. I guess we'll see you next year on the end. Yeah, that is right. We'll, uh, we'll see you in 2009. Happy holidays. Well, happy holidays, everybody. Bass Edge would like to thank the following sponsors who make the Edge audio program possible. Ditch Witch, Mother's Waxes and Polishes, V&W Trailer Hitches, Megaware Keel Guard, Cook's Tackle Management Systems, Ardent Rule the Water, Legend Boats, O'Reilly Auto Parts, Superstart Batteries, and the Clarks Hill Partnership of Georgia. For more information on Bass Edge, including our television show, training materials, e-newsletter, and podcast, please visit www.bassedge.com. Be sure to join us next week on The Edge.